Our new partner who I'm really, really excited to announce we are working with. Super, super stoked. Thank you, Angie Huberman, for this connect. It's incredible. Uh, AG1 Athletic Greens. I've been using them for a while. I have them every morning on an empty stomach. Basically, take one scoop and you put it into a uh, cup or glass or mug of eight ounces of cold water. And this is all your greens for the day. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Every day I take this, it's so good for my digestion, my energy. It's simple. It's easy. I don't like taking a lot of vitamins. This has been really, really helpful for me. I've had a lot of stomach issues my whole life, and ever since I've been gluten-free and taking the AG1s, it's really helped me in my stomach in the mornings. I love it. I'm so psyched that they're part of the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm sure a lot of people don't like eating greens, let alone drinking your greens, but I can tell you straight up, it's got a mild tropical taste, and the taste is actually really refreshing, and I really look forward to it each morning. Don't, don't think it's just going to be just straight bland. Um, it tastes really, really good, um, and it's good for you, so remember that. This one blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's incredible, just one scoop, especially for musicians who are vegans or just musicians in general who want to get those daily greens. You can get the packets. It's incredible. I just gave some to my friend Derek from Sepultura. He traveled the whole entire world this summer, and he had, he had those every single day. He said it's, it saved him. I bring AG1s with me when I travel. It helps me stay healthy. You know the deal. If you're on tour and you are uh, a picky eater, but you need to have your greens, sometimes catering doesn't have greens. Sometimes you miss the catering. Sometimes you miss the backstage food. Sometimes it's too late after the show to go get food that you like. So if you just have a, a scoop of uh, AG1s in your hotel room before you go to bed or you're in the hotel room at night and you're starving and you want something healthy, boom, life changer. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with some convenient daily nutrition. That's all you need. One scoop in a cup every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. This is it. I'm super psyched. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit drinkag1.com slash OLLC. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is incredible. I love it. It's just basic greens. For me personally, this has changed my life tremendously. I'm not a junk food vegan. I don't eat a lot of fake meats, so I'm strictly, strictly greens. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful new addition to my life. So once again, visit drinkag1.com slash OLLC. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Get one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. That's drinkag1.com slash OLLC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love what you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. And if you want to get water, Liquid Death water, go to amazon.com. But for merchandise and other things that's not water, go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby and get free shipping. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. Check, check. 
Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morse. In my kitchen, my brother from another mother. He was on here before, episode 105. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Brandon Novak. Thank you so much for being back in my kitchen. Yes, dude. This is... Uh this is uh, such a, a needed experience for me. I'm flying out today, and and I made it an absolute priority to to end my trip here in beautiful Los Angeles, in your kitchen with Thank you. Thank you, bro. I mean, lots lots happened since we've been together last time. We've become a lot closer. We talk all the time. You came out to CH2O play. Uh, we've hung out several times, and I I love that part of this podcast where. You know somebody, maybe met him a couple of times, and you really get to sit down with them, and then a friendship blossoms from it. You know, the raddest thing is I've I've I met your son. Yeah, and and uh, I've met your inner circle, the people that you surround yourself with. Yeah, and you know, from a young age, my mother used to always tell me, "Show me who you walk with, and I'll tell you who you are." And I've I've seen your your inner circle, your camp, if you will, including your family, your son. Yeah, and uh, and it it's it's no no guess to me why a i enjoy you and your company so much and i value and appreciate you but but b why you're as successful as you are thank you your energy it it radiates you know it's just you got that aura that that draws people in thank you so much and seeing your family like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and and (laughs) and he i think you know rejuvenates you and it keeps you kind of you know, for sure. I, I'm a cat guy. I have three cats and I'm going to open a cat sanctuary. I'm really, really into cats. Okay. And, and I've just gotten this, this kitten and this kitten has rejuvenated the oldest and the oldest now looks 15 years younger. Interesting. Lost weight, vibrant, energetic. Inspired. Yeah. By the kitten. And I see, and wow. I swear I, I'm weird. I look at things in a pretty interesting <laughs> perspective and your and your son's relationship remind me of my kitten and my oldest cat's relationship. Well, thank you for that. And I think that having a kid keeps you, wants you to stay in shape and be young. And I want to still be able to skate with him when I'm in my 60s. Like you want to stay with your kid and keep up with your kid. You know what I'm saying? And stay healthy as you can to be here as long as possible for them. But then adding my son to my band, it's like, a, you saw one of the first couple yeah. shows. It's like a brand new energy. It's like we're reborn. I have this brand new energy and he's like running the show. He's like the leader. Drummers are supposed to be the leader. They're the backbone. He's picking the set list. He's fucking. He's a mile a minute. I know. And he's like me as a kid, like super hyperactive. And like, luckily, like he is like me. Like he's never tried anything. He's addicted to surfing. He has a steady girlfriend. He loves music, skateboarding. Now he's playing golf. Like he's all, he's never played video games. For Christ's sakes, he's in Hawaii as we speak. (laughs) You and I are sitting in your kitchen right now. Talking about how awesome he is while he's like surfing in Hawaii. We were texting the whole time. He's like, <laughs> he's never really flown like by himself. He's with his homies, but this is like a big deal to go this six hour flight away from his family. Even though he's 20, we have such a tight bond. He still lives at home. He flew to Vegas once by himself, but this is like a big deal. Like he hates flying because I hate flying. I'm really bummed that kind of instilled that in him. I've never had any scary situations on planes. I just never like flying. And so like he knows that. And so like. He's like, I said, he's texting me like, it's a little bumpy. I said, you'll be okay. Just breathe. He has a breathing app on his phone now and shit. Like just like the Wim Hof stuff. I'm like, but I'm so proud of him. That's man. what's right. Dude, you don't hear 20 year olds having breathing apps and, and Wim Hof <laughs> things on their phone. Yeah. Like that shit's fucking rad. It changes yeah. the narrative of today's culture. Because if you look at the culture, it's like, um, family's divorced, son, yeah. daughter is caught up with alcoholism, addiction, sex. There's some kind of thing going on, and we all have our own thing. Totally. Not to take away from it, but but to see a 20-year-old striving for like a, a better 
not even way of life, but outcome to their current situation to improve themselves. Yeah. On their own accord, without dad being like, take this app. Like that. Totally. Dude, that's it. And another thing is like, if he wants to, like, he's never had meat and he's never tried drugs or alcohol. He's 20. If he wants to do that, he's a fucking adult. He can do that. I never preached it. He saw how his mom and dad lived. He saw how I grew up. He saw how I am, how I'm high in life. And if I can lead by example, which is my job to be a role model for my child, that's your number one job as a parent. Because if you're not the role model, they're going to find a role model somewhere else that may be negative influence. So for me, I'm so proud of how he's turning out. And that could all change any, any, in a minute. It could be a, a girlfriend could have an influence or a, a friend. But he's so like in his zone to like be modeling and skateboarding and being a musician. Like I'm so proud of like everything he's doing right now. But it could change because the, I don't own my child. I made my child, but I don't own my child. The, the thing that I don't. I can pretty much guarantee you don't realize is is how amazing of a job you do and why I find you so welcoming to to make it a point to end my trip here, right? Because you've you've created this this world that doesn't exist in a lot of other places, scenarios, situations to having your 20-year-old son buy into, and this is deep, follow me, buy into your way of life, not because you've told him, you just said that, but because what you exhibit, what what you, the results of your labor are. And, and here's the hit. This is the why behind the cause, if you ask me. Now your 20-year-old son, who is, is a, a, a beautiful kid, inside and out, a model um my my friend melissa met him at the show and she's a really pretty woman and she's still like if he lived here i'd date him <laughs> um and um and 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 he's in hawaii he's surfing he's golfing he's a drummer of a really red punk rock band his father's legacy and he's not drinking he's not drugging he's not eating meat not that anything's wrong with those things yeah, yeah. But what he's doing is he's making, at 20 years old, a really healthy lifestyle look really fucking attractive. So mm. people that are 19, 18, that could probably be like, ah, fuck authority, fuck the rules, fuck school, I'm going to go smoke some joints, smoke some uh, meth, sniff a line, shoot a bag, whatever. Like, ah, nah. Like, Max and what he's doing looks pretty rad. And and mm -hmm. that so you're you're changing the narrative, unbeknownst to you, yeah. and, but into legacies and generations that you don't even and I don't even know exist. Yeah. But I guarantee you, there's like a 17 year old that's looking at your boy riding these waves, and and he's like, "Hey, eh, let's go to this keg party," and your boy's probably like, "Ah, and I, I'd rather." And he's been to keg parties before. He's just like, "Nah, I'm I'm chill." You know what I mean? That's heavy. Yeah, and it's that it's that communication the snowball effect. And I feel like a lot of things do start in the home, like how you're raised, what you, you, you totally, you know, you, uh, what you're around, your atmosphere, everything. And um, I feel like he had this really tight, and we still have this communication at 20, which I never expected. That bond's so strong, you know. You feel like, oh, my kid's gonna get a certain age, and I'm not gonna be cool anymore. He's not gonna talk to me no more. But we've always had open communication from day one. I think that's so important as a parent, you know, talk about everything. Like he would text us going. Yo, all my friends are going to skip eighth period. Can I skip it? Ain't nobody texting their fucking parents no. telling them they're going to skip that period. No. And he'd ask permission. I'm like, of course, do it. Like like a good kid. You know what I mean? Like The demographic know. that you and I, uh, our wheelhouse, if you will, the people that we surround ourselves serve, <clears throat> I, I wouldn't say the ones we surround ourselves with, but the ones that are kind of maybe looking for some direction that have stumbled upon our stuff and, and, and dig it. <clears throat> what I've noticed for me 
you know, the, the, the skate culture, the, the music culture, the, the scene culture, um, generally are wired in a way that they're defiant by nature, hate authority, refuse to conform. Yes. Right. And, and, and I was that guy completely. So, uh, because I possessed this job that consists of knowing everything, right? Yeah. So when when a when a, a mentor or a person that has an understanding of some things comes along and suggests to me what I might want to do in order to make my life better, I I kindly suggest why you should fuck off <laughs> exactly. because I know, right? Yeah. Like that's my demographic that I deal with. What I do mm-hmm. and and what I know that you've done through seeing your family, the circle you keep is is you deliver this message. Um, hopefully in a way that people find it so desirable, so appealing, so attractive that they like want to fuck it. Right. Like mm. if, if you can present it in a way that it, uh, of attraction rather than promotion because of the whole defiance piece and make them want what you have so bad, they're willing to do what you suggest. Then you get an outcome like your son, mm. which then radiates to like a kid next to him trying to catch the same wave in Hawaii that you don't even know exists. Yeah. It's fucking deep, Damn, man. Thank I you, look man. at shit in that way. Yeah, I mean, fuck. Like a psychologist, kind of. I'm just a junkie that fucking found a way. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my way. Yeah. And, and how I found that was, was just by admitting complete defeat. And mm. that moment that I admitted complete defeat, I secured the ultimate victory. All unbeknownst to me. Mm. I, I, and yeah. I got here by process of elimination, but backwards. Mm. Okay. I just fucking rearranged the furniture on the Titanic for like 20 years. You really did, man. And my ship just bang, bang, sang, sang, sang. And then I'm like, fuck, I, I can tell you how to fail amazing. Amazingly. Yeah. I can have you be the number one failure in life. But I, by doing that, I've learned like also what I can do to succeed, which is just everything that I don't suggest. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, the it's just it's crazy like the my first second third thought are usually like insanely wrong to any situation still uh not so much but but yes the beautifulness (laughs) is that i have this heightened sense of awareness yeah i can no longer fool myself ignorance is no longer bliss because i'm armed with the proper facts and understanding of not life but just a better outcome for my situation yeah yeah you're eight how many years sober now eight you said coming up on eight in may and how old are you now 44 would you ever want to be a dad? Um, I'm not opposed to it, but right now I really truly believe that um, my, and like you said, anything could change tomorrow. Totally. But I believe that my calling and, and position that I fulfilled is is giving my life to helping others. So selfishly, I'm so consumed with give, literally giving my life to anyone that needs help that I can aid and assist in that process with that I don't, think that I, I it'd be very unfair for me to to take on that role i respect that i but that yeah. could change tomorrow i yeah. meet the right woman at the right place at the right time the stars align yeah i'm like okay i think my job here is done and i pass the reins on to like my team yeah you're so focused on helping other people that do you take time for yourself though i do that because if not i will go insane yeah i have gone insane yeah um i i'm i'm embarking on this new endeavor as we speak um, I, I've opened my own drug and alcohol treatment center. Yeah, man. And I just received word yesterday that we've been approved and are licensed. Congrats. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been my dream. That's Wilmington, Delaware? Yeah, called Redemption Addiction yeah, Redemption, Treatment Center. Yeah, it's such a good name. Too, and, um, and, 
and that has been my dream come true. But in, in building that process right now, I, I now uh, am an owner of a medical facility, which means I have to get licensed through the state. Yeah. And I have it's like to. It's like real adult shit. It, like, <laughs> I, I got my GED in the penitentiary. Wow. You know, I, I was serving a sentence and acquired my GED in the penitentiary. And it wasn't because I, I was interested in being like the, the scholastic fucking valedictorian of the prison class. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> I have time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in this penitentiary that I was in, if you pass the GED, they provided you with a pizza party from Domino's. And I love Domino's. So it was a no-brainer. I had the time and I love Domino's. But here's the hit. I aced that fucking test like a, like a Harvard graduate. Damn. Why? Because it was my idea. And that, again, takes me back to what I was saying about attraction rather than promotion. Yeah. If you just deliver the message in a right way, cool dad that doesn't impose, like, don't you drink, you be home at nine, like, gives you the opportunity to make some options and decisions on your own, but make sure that to to be there in a loving way yeah, um, as a position of understanding, not being understood. Um, yeah. It creates a great outcome. And when it becomes our idea to want to excel, we fucking kill it. Yeah. Improving stuff to yourself too. Totally. And I'm my biggest enemy. No one, no one, including myself will live up to my standards. Are you pretty like a harsh critic of yourself too? Yeah. But the older I get, the soberer I stay. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the more I know, I, I don't know. It's a very strange mm. anomaly. And yeah. because I, I just embark on this really spiritual journey and uh, everything's kind of created and I'm merely just a, 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 a weird entity in this bigger picture. Mm. Um, so I just kind of address each interaction that comes to the best of my ability and know that it's for the right reason. Yeah. And as long as my incentives, my, my intentions are sincere and my motives are proper, I live a very prosperous life. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't question anything. I, I know that right now we were meant to be here at this time talking exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, this isn't by chance or coincidence I had an hour to kill before I jumped on a flight. Like, this was (laughs) done by design. Yeah. And I I have no fucking clue what it is. But I know that life is in retrospect and generally live forward and learn backwards. Mm -hmm. So probably, you know, in some time, we'll look back and, and, aha, that moment. Yeah. Is it a struggle for you still, like being sober? And now, no, yeah, no, no. I'm I'm Beyond far that. past that. Now it's just like, um, what do I do for my mental health when I feel like my head's going to implode and my neck is so tense because I'm so wound up dealing with um, the state of Delaware, uh, requ- acquiring the licensing, hiring a medical director, a clinical director. Um, just hearing you say that's crazy. It's just a different <clears throat> world for you. It's in, it's crazy, I, bro. Eight years ago, I was <laughs> um, I walked into my thirteenth treatment center, and and all I owned to my name literally was eight scarves, two jackets, three socks, a stick of deodorant, a needle and a spoon that fit into a bag that doubled as my pillow, and a restraining order. Fuck. And today, I, I'm blessed with the ability to to staff a treatment center hire a medical director, a clinical director, a, a director of operations, a, a director of outreach, one of my team members who I've brought with me today, yes. you know, and, 
and and the the snowball effect that goes so far is is what I was talking about with your son and and what you've done for me is with me God willing remaining sober today which I'm very confident will happen what that equates to is like um true story what that equates to is one less needle being found on your son or daughter's playground this morning yeah, it's heavy, but it's true. True story. Yeah. Like, it goes that far. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and that's what I really like to let people know that, you know, I've, I today, it, it, it's also me remaining sober today has saved you, a taxpayer, a decent amount of money, you know, and I've yeah. now been a, a productive tax paying member of society. And, uh, now I understand what it's like to be on the other end of that spectrum. Yeah. Man. Why so many parents are like, fuck, fuck, get it together. Like, get it together. Yeah. Because now when it, 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 it affects my pocketbook, I, crazy, I'm like, man. get it together. Yeah. It's real, it's real like adult <laughs> yeah. in society type shit. Yeah. You're like, how many places do you have now? Um, I have six houses, six sober living houses with 65 beds. And, wow. And this facility that we will begin taking clients on Monday um, will hold 60. They're all, they're all in Delaware? Yeah. Wow. Everything's in Delaware. You, do you have a goal of getting them everywhere or just seeing the area? The, the opportunity is definitely there. Um, but again, I had no intentions on doing this today. Yeah. Uh, my, my get well job after I finished treatment was washing dishes in a diner called Mary Ann's in Levittown, Pennsylvania for $6 an hour under the table next to a 14-year-old kid named Brad. Wow. And that was eight years, seven years ago yeah. I was doing that. And and at that time, I remember thinking to myself that I should be much further along in life, at the very least, the President of the United States, not at a diner in Levittown, Pennsylvania, yeah. washing dishes next to a 14-year-old Brad here for six. And this is oh, after man. Jackass, after Viva La Bam, after, you know, skateboarding. Yeah. Author, you know, written some books. Yeah. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> you burned through every money you made at that point, too? Yeah. I was I mean, tapped. obviously you were there with that kid, yeah. I was. Um, wow. I was, I was paying $165 a week at my sober living house. And. And I remember I, I didn't acquire that job for myself I, I, because the humility, I had heard these people talk about it and how important it was, but I, it didn't really relate to me because I just hadn't experienced it. Yeah. But I remember completing treatment and there was a family therapist who sat down with me and she said, okay, Mr. Novak, we're going to help you come up with gainful employment after you leave here. And she pulls her laptop out and she asks what my, you know, what my strengths are and, and what, what these, you know, what I have that could make uh, any kind of employment a better place if I joined their team. And, and I had none. I, my, my resume prior to that looked like skateboarder and then Viva La Bam and Jackass. Yeah. And like, and then like, you know, a rap sheet longer than my body and felonies. And so heroin, thefts, yeah. B&Es, like, so I came up with my, my I visualized a, a good life path and career choice would be to work in a, um, maybe like a hospice, mm. which I thought at the time was a great idea. And she looked at me and she said, 
that is an insanely bad idea. Like you're completing a 90-day inpatient treatment center. You suffer from a lot of trauma from childhood experiences. Although your intentions are very noble and sincere, the last thing you should do is surround yourself by a place where people are dying. Yeah. So, so I, I lit and I'm like, well, okay, maybe I'll go um, volunteer at a, a dog and cat, you know, kennel. <laughs> and uh, we couldn't find any. Mm. So, so what happened is my assistant at the time, he, he took matters into his own hands and he went to the area where I was moving and he just went to a diner and he walked in and he said, Hey, I have a, a very dear friend of mine who's completing a treatment center and, and would you please give him a chance? And, and they did. And I, the, I, the humility in me would never allow me to go to a diner. Yeah. Cause in my brain, I told you I'm my biggest critic and, yeah. and I thought that I was this like grand I am. And in reality, like no one fucking knew or cared, you know, they yeah. did, but not to the level I thought. Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, and Super I remember, humbling, man. dude, yeah. I, I, I talk about like eating a piece of humble pie. And, and I, I remember that the treatment center, they put me in the druggy buggy and they drove me to this, uh, diner and, and I got out and I dressed up cause I was going for an interview, right? I was going <laughs> for an interview for this dishwashing yeah, job yeah, yeah. and they, I have a book in my hand cause I'm always reading and I got this book and I'm button up shirts, khakis, really doing the deal. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm marched into the back to the kitchen, like on the line where the owner's like on the line, sweating from head to toe. And he asked me like four questions and he's like, you're hired. I'm so happy about it. And I go back and it's kind of your first real job in a long time. I'd never had a real job until wow. this point. Wow. Okay. This was it. Um, clocking in and shit. Yeah. And, uh, and I get into it and, and I start, I, 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 I had really good mentors and advisors and, and spiritual just leaders that, that took me under their wing and they said, look, number one, this is not, this isn't a forever deal. It's temporary. But what you'll do while you're here is you're going to show up 15 minutes early. You'll stay 15 minutes late. You'll take pride in washing these dishes. And, and I started doing that. And now walking into treatment, it was evident, clear as the day is long, what I lacked completely was self-esteem. It was non-existent. Mm. I, I, I had none. And if I knew how to find it on my own, I would have and not ended up in these 12-step meetings. Yeah. But what I didn't know is that through following the advice of my mentors, my spiritual leaders, guiders, advisors, and them telling me you stay, you go 15 minutes early, you stay 15 minutes late, you take pride in washing these dishes. Um, you ask anyone if they need help. And, and, and through doing that, I then started to make a couple bucks. And with that couple bucks, I opened my very own, because I always had women in my life and they would take care of stuff. I opened my own, my own with my name on it, checking account. And with that checking account, I got my own debit card. And with that, um, I had no credit. I didn't have bad credit, I had no credit. So then I, I got a pre-secured credit card. But through that process, I started paying my own 165 a week rent. I was buying my own cigarettes I smoked at the time. I started getting my own bus passes to get back and forth to work. And through doing these esteemable acts that I didn't even know were esteemable, I was just following the suggestions of the people I believed because I wanted what they had, right? Yeah. Attraction, not promotion. They had wives. They had children that loved them. They'd come home for dinner and their clothes weren't on the fucking front yard. They yeah. had a driver's license that was valid, a car that was insured, shit that was so foreign and fucking <laughs> like alien-like to me. Yeah. No warrants for their arrests, like clean clothes. Um, 
clean bell of health. I'm running around with like hepatitis and a needle hanging out of my arm. Um, I, I started doing these things and then I started paying rent weekly. Weekly went to bi-weekly. Bi-weekly went to monthly. Um, the pre-secured credit card turned into a credit card with a nice limit. And all of a sudden, through doing these esteemable acts, I started to gain a sense of self-esteem. And then I started to be able to sit here and talk to you and look at you in your eye and talk with conviction. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea any of this was happening. All I did was just admit defeat and say that, you know what I do know is that I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that credit card, the first credit card uh, with, a, with a, you know, $500 limit turned into today like four credit cards, one with like no limit. Damn. You know, um, a very awesome, good man. credit score, um, a man who owns several businesses, multiple properties, and, you know. It's amazing, man, your journey, dude. And I didn't even, all I did was just get out of my way. Yeah. It was so simple that I missed it for so long. Yeah. Because people like you and I, Toby, we don't get to a position uh, of, of, of looking for guidance or healing or, or just position of being fucked because we took the short bus to school. That's not how we end up in these places of problem. We mm -hmm. end up in these places of problem because we're too smart for our own fucking good. And then we get to these positions and places surrounded by people that will help us and, and, and sit in these chairs um, that are literally saving our life, but we'll outthink ourselves right out of it. Mm. Because we know. And our resumes do state that we do know some shit because we've done some things throughout our life that people look at us from the external perspective and a credit to success. It's yeah, so true. But in reality, I, I can't keep a needle out of my arm. I, I, I fucking struggle to, to, to live every day, let alone eat, don't shower, fucking running around with hepatitis, Yeah, teeth falling out of my mouth. In your mind, you were Brandon Novak from all these TV shows and all the stuff you've done. In your head, you still you were that person that had fame, right? Had some fortune too. But when you're all, when you're all strung out and you're doing the dishes... That must be such a different reality, man. Going from that world, to like here I am with this kid. It's crazy, bro. And, look and in your mind, you think you're still like, I shouldn't be here? Did you think you, I'm better than this? Or Well, what really helped me, my saving grace, because I had a, 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 a touch of that still, but I was hidden by the, the walls of the dish room. Yeah. You know, if I was waiting tables, oh, then yeah. I was People like, see, I was on you. display. Yeah. So that was like my saving grace. Yeah. But here's the funny thing that about that. Crazy for, yeah. So I'm washing these dishes. I'm like really starting to vibe and love it. I'm, I'm getting to know my coworker, Brad, and he's just like a 14 year old kid. And, <laughs> and, um, and what happens is about six months into this, I don't miss one day of work, never called out because I'm selfish and self-centered, which is the core of my disease. So it's me, 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 me. Yeah. And if I have three minutes, a little bit about you, but only if it's going to benefit me. Yeah. Right. But now my behavior is starting to change. I'm starting to show up to work every day. And I'm thinking to myself, although I'd love to sleep in, if I call out, then I'm going to leave Brad with all my work. And that's not fucking fair. Mm -hmm. So now I'm starting to like care about other people, which is insane to me. But I'm, I'm, I'm making a difference. I'm making an impact. I'm, 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 I'm bringing things to the table as opposed to taking, which is usually my normal pattern. Yeah. And, and six months into this process, the owner, the guy who hired me that day when he asked me like four words and I'm standing there with my book in my hand, like fucking, um, were you high that day too? No. Okay, Cause okay. I was in treatment. It was okay, when I was right, completing that's right, that's treatment. Right. And that's right. And he said, he said, you know, Novak, I want you to know that you've saved this restaurant's life. And I looked at him. I said, Rich, that, 
that makes no sense. This place was financially sound before I got here, and it will be long after I leave. And he said, no, what you don't understand is that the day that we hired you, everyone in this kitchen knew who you were. And they all were taking bets on how long you were going to last here because they thought that you were going to come in with this hot shit Hollywood attitude Mm. of like, I'm better than this is below me. Fuck you attitude. And and people watched you very carefully. And what happens is the morale of this kitchen at that time was like below hell low. You came in here, you took pride in washing the dishes, you asked people if they wanted help, and you lifted the morale of this kitchen, which ultimately saved its life at one point in time where I thought I was going to have to close the doors because we couldn't make payroll. Wow, man. What can I do for you? It's fucking incredible. And I remember while I was washing dishes with Brad, I said, Brad, look, what can I do to make more money but work less in this restaurant. Because I know there's a way, but this isn't the fucking way, Brad. And I'm asking this 14-year-old kid for, like, guidance and and, and mentoring me, right? And the juxtaposition's crazy. And he looks at me, Brad, looks at me dead serious. And at the time, my hair was all long. I I put it up in, like, a man bun kind of deal, covered in tattoos. And and he looks at me, he goes, I said to Brad, I said, I want to be a waiter. I want to wait tables here. And he looked at me, Brad, and he goes, it's impossible. That is impossible. Number one, they only hire women for wait staff at this restaurant. Number two, your hair is far too long. Number three, your tattoos are atrocious. <laughs> Not going to happen. They yeah. had never had a man on the floor of this ever, ever, ever. Gotcha. Fast forward six months into the process. I'm the fucking great I am in Rich's eyes. He says I've saved the life of this restaurant. What can he do for me? And I said, Rich. I want to wait tables. He said, done. I looked at Brad. I gave him the fucking finger. (laughs) Brad's furious because he's still stuck in the fucking rinse house. Wow. That's fucking incredible. And here's the hit, man. And and I I can figure to have Rich call in. I'm not, this is not, I'm not stretching any of this story. I hope validate the whole deal, man. And, and, uh, and he gave me that chance. And, and I waited tables there for one year. And I'd have regulars come in. I loved it. I started to write I, through this the, the steam of wax. I gained a sense of self-esteem. Now I no longer was worried about what you thought of me. Yes. Or, or Because I would always go in and I would save my face. I would save my face because of how you'd perceive me, what you'd think about me. So I could never be honest and tell you my sincere thoughts or, or how I felt about myself. It was all external. Yeah. How you viewed me had to be how I was doing. But at the end, the pain became great enough. I, I went to those meetings and I, I focused on saving my ass. And somewhere along the line, my ass and my face correlated. Gotcha. And uh, and now I'm I'm waiting I'm waiting tables. People recognize me. I'm like fuck yeah. And uh, I never missed one day of work at that restaurant. When I left to return back to the life I had before yeah. drinking and drugging, which is this world and and kind of the public eye and and just picking up where I left off. I went to Rich and I said, Rich, um, I- I'm forever indebted to you, uh, I- I- but I'm going to give you my two weeks. And and it was like I was, I don't do well with goodbyes. Yeah. Um, and and I had never done that before. Stayed somewhere for a, week, a year and then 
gave my notice to to say goodbye usually i just fucking cut and dip yeah because i've i've stole from you you caught me i'm not gonna like deal with this interaction yeah. or i don't want the police to get me when i come in Fuck. um and 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 this is so true that job that i thought in the beginning i fucking should be much further in life president at the very least <laughs> literally is the base of my foundation of who i am today Wow, man. It taught me to be accountable. It taught me to be a man uh, of, of honesty, of respect, uh, and be... Responsible, a, a, everything. Yeah, yeah, like all of that. Uh, from fucking busting suds for $6 an hour next to a 14-year-old at a diner in Levittown, Pennsylvania. I can assure you 99% of the people that are listening to this have not heard of Levittown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> you you know? think the diner's still there? It is. And those guys, it's still running. And, the, and that kid still exists. I wonder what he's doing. He, I don't know where he exists. But the owner, he's in my documentary coming out. We went Amazing. and filmed there. Oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. It's, it's, what about the 14-year-old kid? I wonder where he's at, man. He actually, uh, he, got, he got caught up. With, uh, funny, not funny story, but true story story he got caught up started doing meth a few oh, years man. later every year i i go to domino's and i buy a whole bunch of pizzas where we take back to the treatment center christmas eve that yeah. i got sober in right down the street from that diner Beautiful. and i go buy these 30 pizzas and lo and behold it was brad working no way dude and brad got sober but shared with me his journey he got strung out on meth <sighs> Things went south for him, but then was working at the Domino's and was selling me the pizzas. And, and he was really, you know, happy to share with me that he kind of found his way. He ended up going to prison for a little while. Oh, my God. It's crazy, man. At a young age. Wow. And when you quit and gave you two weeks, where were you going? What was your... So I was at that time then approached by a treatment center okay. that I'm no longer with that said, hey, we have this idea and vision for you right and again what i said the moment i i admit, admitted defeat and secure this ultimate victory and realized i was the common denominator of my problems and what i know is i don't know and just got out of my way yeah these amazing opportunities started to happen and that was the first of many to follow yeah uh i literally tripped and fell into these positions in life to that equate to that theory if you love what you do you never work a day in your life a series of, of events where I was just being at the time started from washing dishes. What I know to be true today was me being divinely inconvenienced mm -hmm. from that very first job that I thought I was way more deserving of a better position in yeah. life really was the biggest blessing taking place for me that uh, I, I was incapable of seeing. Almost the best job you ever had almost. It was, it, absolutely. It's crazy, man. You know, and and that's that's that those behaviors that behavioral pattern was very unlike anything I had exhibited for the twenty two years prior while I was caught up in active addiction. Yeah, and one more thing about back then at that time when you going to work at the diner, you had your friends, family, everybody was just done with you. Oh, like, they were so done. Done. You had burned bridges and all this shit. Girlfriends, family, and it's like. You're on your own completely. Everyone believed, including myself, that it was best to love me from a distance. Because if you told me you love me while I was caught up in active addiction, I equated that to $10 or more money to score more heroin. Yeah, let me get some money. I'll spend some time. Yeah, yeah, you tell me you love me. I got you. <laughs> yeah. And, that, that, and it, it was like never personal. It was just business because yeah. that was just kind of... Uh, 
a daily day in the life of an addict or an alcoholic. Yeah, did you also feel like you don't you, if you don't give me 10 bucks you don't love me? Yeah, but I would never say it that way cuz yeah. I was a bit more ahead of the game and I could finesse the situation. You know, my book the first book that I wrote is called Dream Seller for a reason. I, yeah. I literally survived by selling dreams to people in order because they wanted to believe me because they love me. Yeah. You know, and, and they and I, I am guilty of it today with people I love that are going through active addiction or alcoholism. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm the worst to help someone that I'm directly connected to because I'll believe that they are different and yeah. I can help anybody in the world. But God forbid I like really love you or I'm really invested or connected in you because I'll think that, well, maybe you are different than the other yeah. nine billion people when generally that's not the case. Yeah. If they already came and tried to like have a, I'm sure they had like sit downs with you and all those interventions, all that, and just went through everything with you and like, all right, that's it for him. He's yeah. on his own. Yeah. And that's going to figure out for himself. That's when things got good for me. Yeah. Were you, did you resent, I mean, not resent people, did you, were you bummed that you felt like they weren't coming to give you that love and try to save you or you, or you, you was too far gone? Like, no, yeah. because, I, that, you know, people always say, well, what was it that created the change that we witness yeah. and experience today? Mm -hmm. And what it is, is a series of, of unpleasant events. <laughs> yeah. Uh, starting from my very first treatment center at 17, ending at my 13th treatment center at 38. Wow. And I didn't know they were happening until the day that I knew they were happening. Yeah. Um, and the best thing that could have ever happened to me, um, and I have to remind myself of this on a daily basis, was that people allowed me to have my process. Because I'll believe now that I'm a, you know, a business owner, I work in the field, I own a treatment center, that I know the best outcome for every individual that crossed my path. And if I think that's the case and I try to inflict my will on you for an outcome that I desire, not even you, I'm all of a sudden trying to play God. Who mm -hmm. the fuck am I to do that? And okay. I have to look back and say, if anybody, if anybody would have robbed me of my process along the way, odds are the viewers would not be listening to the outcome that they're hearing today. Yeah, yeah. Straight up. No, it's true. And, sure. But the, but that's the that's the complexity and severity of this terrible pandemic that we're in called addiction and alcoholism. Yeah, it's not a black and white one size fits all. Read this instruction manual, you get these results. It's literally a case by case, individualized fucking deal. Yeah, and and what I know is that I'm married to my narrative because it's mine and it worked for me. So I do the best that I can to use any platform that will allow me to share my message in hopes that if anybody out there can relate to my experience, my history and, and want my current situation and, and future, yeah. then to reach out. But I'm not coming here stating that I know. I'm yeah. simply sharing with you my experience. Yeah. And my experience does not come with, um, you know, hypothesis or educated guesses. It's my fucking story. Yeah. And I'm not coming on here to claim that I know. I'm just sharing with you my deal. And no. if you can relate, then cool, let's grind it up and we'll get it together. Yeah, 100%. What happens at, <clears throat> at the redemption treatment? Like, what happens at treatment centers? I know that they're all around the country, they're everywhere. You come, you stay there. Um, there's like psychologists. Like, what goes on in there? Is there like, Exercise, like what do you? What happens when they come there? How long do they stay there? How long do you think a person usually needs to stay there to have any kind of um, 
change in their life. I don't know, like how that works. Yeah, and and again, and the it's, goals for it, like it's such an individualized process. It's really tough to give. A, it's a, all based on each person's. It is. Yeah, but you know, again, married to my narrative. And I was the guy that had been around the block a lot of times for a lot of years. Yeah. I was deemed unhelpful, unfixable. When I got sober, I was so disconnected from reality and or abnormality. Like, dude, I remember being in my sober house and I, I didn't know how to wash my clothes. Wow. I was washing them with uh, dishwashing detergent. And they kept coming out bleached. My 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 waiter outfit from Mary Ann's was all black, and every time I washed it, it would come out bleached. But I was too embarrassed to like ask the guys because I'm a fucking thirty nine year old wow. man who should know how to do his laundry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like this guy that people are kind of like watching, and I don't want to be like, how do you do laundry? Like that just doesn't. Yeah. And and what happens is one of the guys in the house he walked past me while I was doing laundry and he saw that I was pouring dishwashing detergent it, he's like what are you doing and I'm like laundry and he said that does you can't do that wow so 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 being that guy who was that disconnected um what my story looked like is I went to treatment for 90 days of inpatient Okay. And then from there, I went to a sober living house where I resided for one year. Okay. And throughout that, I followed the continuum of care that was recommended and suggested by my therapist, by yeah. my psychiatrist, by people that knew fucking better than I did. Yes. And, and the craziest thing happened. My life got really good really quick. Mm -hmm. and, and here's the other crazy side to this spectrum that already is just one big anomaly, if you ask me. Recovery is one of those things that work so well people stop doing it mm. my life got so good so quick all those relationships i yearned for believed that like would never happen or resonate again like came back in abundance the money the property the prestige the women the cars the careers the opportunities yeah. the lifestyle it was back it was back and i see this happen all the time um and and it's like ah now the things that i did in order to achieve all my dreams that I thought were lost forever, such as going to these 12 step meetings, taking an hour out of the week to work with my sponsor to go through these 12 steps, um, helping other guys. Yeah. All these things that got me all the blessings that I dreamed for now become, now they become kind of a, uh, you know, they become in the way a burden. Mm. I don't have time. Yeah. A distraction. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, so all of a sudden I back away, mm -hmm. right? And then all of a sudden I'm working backwards. And before I know it, unbeknownst to me, I'm working my way back towards uh, that bar stool that I left. Gotcha. And I don't even know that's happening. Yeah. And that's because it's God forbid uh, you're diagnosed with HIV or cancer, and, yeah. and they send you to the hospital and say, "Okay, you need chemo." And and this chemo, you start taking it, and all of a sudden you start getting better. Your life starts coming back. You're getting healthy. You're energized. Your hair's coming. All yeah. that stuff. But the funny thing is with that is people don't stop doing that until the doctor says it's time. Yeah, it's true. But with addiction or alcoholism. Good point. You know, it's a mind fuck, man. Yeah. Here's the deal, dude. Diagnose me with HIV. Okay, here, let me start back. Alcoholism and addiction. This is an absolute fact. Absolute fact. I'll bet my life on it. Anyone out there. Try to prove me wrong. You won't. If you've been diagnosed as an addict or an alcoholic, all that means is you've been diagnosed with a disease that if left untreated equals death. It's a fatal disease. Look it up in any medical dictionary. Absolute fact. Mm -hmm. 
But the scariest part about it, it's the only fatal disease that I've ever been diagnosed with that lies to me in my own voice, making me believe the unbelievable, that tells me I have not been diagnosed with a disease. That I've clearly agreed to the diagnosis to at one point in time when the pain was great enough and I'm sitting in my 10th treatment center. Yeah. Right? So follow me here. Diagnose me with HIV. I'm rushing to the hospital to get medication. I don't want to die. Fatal disease. Diagnose me with cancer. I'm rushing to the hospital to get chemo. I don't want to die. Fatal disease. Diagnose me as an addict or an alcoholic. I need a glass of wine or a bag of heroin to figure out what the fuck's wrong with you for diagnosing me with said disease. Just as fatal as the first two diseases. That's the complexity of alcoholism and addiction. Damn. It's heavy. And it lies to me my own voice. Which makes me, so it's not like Toby, it's not like your voice comes in my head and it's not like, oh, Novak, you're good, let's go get a glass of wine. I can be like, fuck you, stranger danger. Mm. It's my voice. Yeah. And that's a pretty believable voice. Of course. It's that, fucking crazy. That's just a glimpse of what, what I as an addict and alcoholic and anyone else that can relate to being diagnosed with that is up against. Fuck. Yeah, that's fucking, it's, it's a great way to break it down, man. Think about it like that. Because it is. Nobody really sees it like that. Especially you don't, obviously, when you're in it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Damn. So these treatment centers, what's your goals? My goal is to be out of business one day. My goal is to have a service that no longer is fucking needed in that area. True story. It's a great goal. True fucking story. Because what I know to be true is that my mother can go to sleep very soundly tonight not having to make arrangements for my funeral or to bury me in that plot that she bought me 12 years ago on Mother's Day. Wow, man. And that is possible for other family members. And I yeah. can help them achieve that to an extent. I'm not God. I can't mm-hmm. predict a, a particular outcome. But I can aid and assist the manner that I know best in. And it's just what I've experienced firsthand. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that it's obtainable. This is the fucking crazy fact. True story again. Only 7% of addicts find recovery. 7%. Damn. I'm part of that 7%. Yeah. I've been blessed with the ability to understand what recovery looks like, but more importantly, how to obtain it. Mm-hmm. Not for everybody, yeah, yeah. but for anyone out there that can relate to any part of what I shared, then there's a connection. Yeah. So I'm trying to, again, fulfill my obligation that I believe I'm tasked with today. And the reason why I do is because somebody answered the phone when I called begging for help almost eight years ago. And if yeah, they didn't yeah. fucking answer that call, the stars didn't align, I, I, I'd be in that plot. That yeah. my mother bought me, no question. Damn. So how dare I, you know, be afforded this amazing blessing and not pay it forward? Like it's just, yeah. it, and to me, it just doesn't sit right. Mm-hmm. Have you seen? Obviously, you've seen this gotten worse. Like the addiction since you've been sober, even for younger kids with fentanyl, just all this stuff. Like what is, what seems to be, the average, 
I guess addiction besides alcohol. I, I, I'm not because I'm not in that world. Like, sure. What is something that's killing more people now with drugs? Is it, is it fentanyl? Because it seems like yeah, so much of that. And then you have the fentanyl, then you have this trank that's coming after this fentanyl, and it's it's just it it's not. Is it called trank? Yeah. Uh, what's the? It's a different drug. It's a next. It's another drug. What's it called? Xylazine, which is like a thing ahead of. Uh, fentanyl. fentanyl. It's it's just it when you think you have it curved and a and a and a and a, and a firm grasp on the situation, it just gets tenfold worse. Does that seem like to be the most? Is that the, the most things kids are doing now? Is it pills and stuff more than alcohol? And it depends on where you're looking in the nation. You know, yeah. different pockets provide different substance abuse levels of certain things. Um, and in the Northeast and in there, it's definitely you're, you're seeing a lot of meth and you're yeah. seeing a lot of opiates, heroin, fent not even heroin, fentanyl. Yeah. And uh, so yeah. scary. Some Same like, with California. A lot of meth, a lot of. Opiates. Yeah. Some people, some kids at Max know have passed from that fentanyl and accident, all kinds. of It's crazy, man. Yeah. So scary. So I just do the best that I can with uh, what I have and, and who's placed in my path. Yeah. And this is not you personally speaking for yourself, but they call it, what do you think about the uh, California sober thing they call it, where you're totally sober, you smoke weed because it, it helps you? Well, I can't say if it's the right thing or the wrong thing totally. to do. But what I can say for me in my story is that it never worked. I, I tried it for so many years. I, I'd, I'd get out of treatment and I'd say, okay, I know I can't shoot heroin and cocaine anymore, but I'd like to drink a glass of wine because I don't... I don't shake when I don't have it. I don't steal to get it. It's sociably acceptable. My fiance, my ex fiance, she drinks. Like, and I'd love to go out to the bar and be a normal human being, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, I would do that, and and the pattern would ensue without fail. And they told me in treatment one time. They said something very valuable that I'll never forget. They said, "Novak, you're different. At the bottom of your wine glass is a needle every time." And I was like, "Wow, damn." And, and, and what happened finally, you know, they say a hard head makes for a soft ass. And I promise you, I have like the softest ass in the world, but, but walking into that 13th treatment center, looking back, recognizing the series of my events that led to one particular outcome, which was fucking pain and desperation, yeah. isolation, disconnection, suicide, ideation, you know, like this fucking, yeah. Yeah. um, I could no longer negate the severity of my situation right i could no longer justify or minimize my outcome or behaviors that led mm -hmm. me there i couldn't i had always blamed it on the fiance because she came home early and caught me with the needle my the parole officer because he was in a bad mood and he decided to piss me when it wasn't my week to get pissed mm. the judge because you know his wife didn't fuck him the night before and he had to sleep on the couch and he was in a bad <laughs> mood so he takes it out on me i was always the victim yeah you know it was always yeah. why me why me I was not taking accountability for my actions. And then at 38, walking into my 13th treatment center, I was like, dude, why the fuck not me? Yeah. And, 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 and you know what? Like, I am my problem. Yeah. You know, so many people had attempted to give me these valuable pieces of information along the way that, thank God, really resonated and stuck, but unbeknownst to me. And mm -hmm. then when I walked into that last treatment center, God willing, it all aligned. And these plants just like blossomed as if they were on angel dust, like just over, like boom, full grown, like 
uh, I had that aha moment and yeah. everything aligned. And it was almost like I had had 10 years sober walking into my last treatment center because I could see mm-hmm. where I went wrong for so many years. And it was it, it just it, it was a, the playbook opened and I'm like, this is it. I get it. And I didn't call my people and tell them like, I got it. This is it. Because I knew my words held no more weight. Mm-hmm. I didn't even believe what I said anymore. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I learned finally it had nothing to do with the drugs and alcohol. It was the behaviors, the thinking, the attitude, and the behavior. The The drugs and the alcohol were the solution to my problem, which was really me. Yeah. So I said, you know what? I'm not going to talk anymore. What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk, and I'm going to let my walk do my talk. And ultimately, my behavior started to change. I was no longer calling my people saying, this is it. I've changed. Yeah. I have this great idea for a new book concept. Let's yeah. film this. Let's go here. And they're like, dude, I didn't call anybody. Yeah, I became self-sufficient off the hundred and sixty-five dollar uh, a week job that I had. Yeah, paying my own way, not asking for people to cover my rent, buying my own cigarettes, yeah. catching my own bus instead of people like saying, "Up oh, here he is, calling for another handout." Yeah, were people hesitant when you finally were sober, like to work with you again and do things with you from the past, or were people like skeptical because it was you and they knew you from the crazy past? Big time. Like, this is me for real now. Actually, I'm sober. Like this is. But I didn't say that. Of course. I just, I fell in line. I washed dishes. I was a humble servant. I kept my head down. Yeah. Um, and then what happened is that very first Christmas, I'll never forget, I had no invitations to no functions. And I stayed in my sober living house with the eight other guys that resided in there. We went to the dollar store and we all bought each other a present. We wow. each put $5 a piece in. We went and we bought a Christmas tree and we decorated it. And it looked like, like a Christmas tree on meth. Like just so <laughs> attic mentality decorated. Tinsel. Yeah, yeah. Like it was just covered in fucking gaudy stuff. Fuck. But it was literally the best Christmas I had ever had. Oh, wow. And, and I stayed in it. One of the guys made a feast and, and we had a little gathering. And it was literally the best Christmas I ever had. And, and what happened is we just kept it going like that. And the following Christmas, like... There wasn't enough time in the day to go to all the places I was invited to. Wow, man. You know, so I just had yeah. to let time take time, which is the hardest thing for anyone, especially an addict or an alcoholic yeah. to do. Fuck, even just feeling like you're worthy and people believe in you again and like and to believe in yourself and to be yeah. strong and all yeah. that, man. There's so much. And that's why I say that. to people in recovery, sobriety, or any position where they're they're trying to empower their life and and you know, kind of become a better version of themselves. Be yeah. careful what you fucking ask for. Cause you'll get it. Now my mother that, that, that like served me with a restraining order and, and bought me a plot, took life insurance policies out on me, prayed to God for my death just so she could have a peace of mind knowing I was safe. She now fucking does not stop calling me. So, she blows me up. <laughs> She'll, She's so proud. Yeah. And, and it's Yeah. You know, even just for her, even I know, I know you did it for yourself and it changed your life, but just your mom, bro, all the shit she went through and to see right now you're shining, all the stuff you're doing to help people. It's beautiful, man. And that's the thing. And I, it was instilled in me from my mother at a young age. Same thing you talked about in the beginning of this. Yeah. Where like the upbringing is really so important to create a, a certain kind of, you know, wiring. Yeah. And, and my mother never gave up on me and she never not did the best that she could do for me and went that extra mile and, and worked that extra hour and, and took on that extra job because she was a single mother raising yeah. three kids. I love all the videos you and your mom, all the stuff you do with her. She's such a bad, she reminds me of my mom the way she talks and like the East Coast toughness and yeah. just raw and fucking 
I love all this, this clips she put up with her, man. She's awesome, dude. And I think that's, I know that's where I got the, the, the training for the position that I fulfill today. Yeah. I'm simply just doing what my mother did for me, for others out there. Yeah. So when I meet people's fair, uh, when I meet people's parents that I'm helping, that's, that's the prize. Yeah. Because I can look at the mom and say, how does it feel to be able to sleep finally? That's the, they're the MVPs of the story. Of course, dude. Yeah. If justice was due for me, I'd be dead years ago. I hear people in these 12 step meetings say, I worked hard for my seat. I worked hard for my seat. And that's great if they believe that and right on. But I don't believe that. I did not work hard for my seat mm. in my 12 step meeting that I go to that saves my life. The people that worked hard for my seat in those meetings are my mother, are my employers, my friends, my family. Anyone that crossed my path worked hard for my because yeah. they endured the wrath of me. Totally. Fuck. Fuck. So I'm just on borrowed time trying to make a lot of wrongs that I've committed right. <laughs> and I, I did that by like Redemption Treatment Center. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so proud of you with that. And I, I love that you have the phone number. Every time you post, you have a phone number that people just call. Totally. Up, just cold call. And yeah, call me, man, if you're you out there. You talk to people and they, yeah, all the time, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I'm a human being and uh, you're I not can't perfect. keep up. I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm a I'm, psychologist. I'm prone to make mistakes. But, like, I do the best that I can to answer every call. And if I don't, my team does. Yeah. And, and it's a, a selective group of people that, that have the resources, the availability, and, and can do just exactly what I would do to get them the help they need. Yeah. For sure. And I saw your Streets of Baltimore just came out on audio. Audio, yeah. Awesome, man. Dude, I narrated I'm going to fuck with that because I'm a terrible reader. Dude, I narrated it. And oh, that's, I, that's even better. I totally underestimated the process of narrating a book. Mm. It's heavy. You ever gave a cool voice, though. <sighs> and now I just I just got off the phone with them today. They... I, I signed a deal with uh, Blackstone Publishing and they bought the audio rights to both of my books. Awesome. And dude. now I'm back in the studio in, uh, next month to, to do Dream Seller. Awesome, dude. But, I'm going to do both those when I travel because, I, like I said, I'm, my attention span for reading is really, really bad, man. I was really proud of myself for overcoming that adversity. Day one of going into that studio. I'm not a studio guy. You're a studio guy. I am now, but yeah, yeah. Well, yes, the music. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Like, I, I don't sit anywhere for eight hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, especially in a booth. Yeah. And read something over and over. Um, and then listen to your voice. And listen to my voice. Yeah. And, and narrating a book looks like this, right? I'm not a narrator. Uh, me practicing for doing this was sitting in my living room, reading a chapter of my book at night to my three cats out loud. Okay. No critiquing. Like, <laughs> like uh, I'm just prone to saying yes to shit. Yeah. Go into the studio. There's a guy on the boards. I go into the booth. I put the mic on, uh, headphones on. There's a guy in Seattle. There's a guy in New York. And then there's a guy in the studio who are professional narrators with headphones on. Gotcha. And they're listening to me read. And they say before each chapter started, they say, okay, Novak, you just got out of your, your eighth rehab. You're feeling optimistic. Your, your parents are letting you come home for a Christmas dinner. You believe that you might. Act. So to set the tone. Wow. And then I'd start reading. Um, and I'd Get say, the zone. and then I'm like, okay, uh, I, I successfully completed treatment. I went to pick my skateboard up and they're like, no, skateboard was plural. You forgot the S. Let's go back. So I have these three Damn. people waiting to chime in. So I'm like, I'm reading. That was nerve wracking. Dude, <laughs> eight days from fucking wow. nine to 6 p.m., 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then you Eight listen back when it's all done. You have to listen to the whole book. Back. I haven't listened to it yet. Because they, they make it. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like it's proper. 
Fuck. Dude, check it out, man. Please critique me. Let me know how I did on that. And I'm not even trying to sell. I don't even fuck. I don't know what I make off it. I just. I'm definitely. I'm really proud out. of 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 seeing that project through because I the first day I did it I went home and I was really fucking upset with my performance. Mm. I'm like, dude, this is unacceptable. Like, I I can do better. I know better. I need to figure out a different approach that yields a better outcome. And I came up with a new approach where I, they tell me what they tell me of how I should feel. And then I'd read the paragraph first to myself. And then after I read it to myself, I'd then read it out loud. So it took longer. I was reading it essentially twice, yeah. but it produced such a better outcome mm -hmm. that on like day six, I was a professional narrator. I'm like, fuck <laughs> yeah. I'd have a whole routine. I'd, I did it at Milk Boy Studios. Okay. Uh, really rad. I was fucking. I think you'd be good for a podcast, your voice and your stories and your life. You ever thought about doing that? Uh, we do, but I just need like you, you another version of me because yeah. I don't have enough time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but it was cool. I, I, it, I'm so crazy OCD because once I got a rhythm going, I wore the same outfit every day to the studio. <laughs> I'd stop at the same coffee shop, grab a cup of wow. tea, walk the same exact road, talk to the same homeless guys under the bridge shooting dope every. Like I was just self-induced OCD, never yeah. diagnosed. Yeah, but I'm like, either. dude, I can't like, like I'm on a rhythm. I disappear into that studio. I'd leave my phone out there. Like nice. I disappeared from the world. Well, it was nice except for when you're trying to open a treatment center yeah, the, and like the timing, you're, you're, yeah. the timing couldn't have been worse, yeah. but better because. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, so, and you're still skating too, right? Absolutely. Still man. filming parts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still filming. Still I have a, do new tricks too, I have a no? board coming out. Oh, sick. With the heart supply. I'll, I'll show you a picture. Oh, phone. that's awesome. Um, and I did it like with this very old Hollywood style vibe. And I kind of like mirrored up some of it, like from the the Roosevelt, which is where I like to stay here. Nice. The lettering there. It's just got that old Hollywood vibe. That's cool. Graphic to it. Are you still trying to learn new tricks? Or you kind of just. I am, but but on things that have the least amount of impact yes. possible. You yeah. know, like not a vert ramp, not a twelve foot ramp, but Mini slight ramps. transition yeah, yeah, with yeah. low impact. Yeah. Um. But is your body pretty it. banged out from? From from skating and all the crazy shit you did. Yeah, but now I I I I I'm very careful of what I eat. I'm yeah. particular. I go to the gym five days a week. I work out with a trainer. Big into following your lead. Ice bath, sauna. Yeah, is cold like plunge. A, you're listening, man. We're gonna get this guy a cold plunge, dude. For sure. Uh, it's it's my thing, man. I, I'm I'm addicted to it. Love it, man. But unfortunately, my cold plunge looked like I live in Philadelphia, so the winter was great because like it was snowing, it was cold. I I go to this hot tub and then jump in the pool, but now it's fucking like 90 degrees. So <laughs> the cold plunge has disappeared for the time being. We get you cold plunge, man. Um, but I, I'm I'm accustomed it. to it, man. Yeah. I was doing it during the process of opening this facility when I thought that. I got to a point in doing this process where I had never felt so, so up against the wall, like burnt out and never a thought of drinking and drugging, but just like, I, I can't even talk. I'm so defeated. Yeah. Um, it's draining, man. That I had to, again, back against the wall, come up with a, a, a routine that was going to lighten the load, if you will. Yeah. And, and that did it the the hot tub the cold plunge well the gym for you know one hour every day you're on every day you're doing stretching exercise, 15 yeah. minutes 45 minutes full body and then i go into the hot tub for eight minutes and then the cold plunge for three minutes no i'm sorry the gym the the stretching 15 workout for 45 sauna for 20 hot tub for eight 
cold plunge nice. end on that for three minutes and and that did it and yeah and uh it's I was, so important man i can breathe now yeah I, I can have a conversation and actually be in the moment do you wake up super early I was, I got into that. I, I, I follow like that Mark Wahlberg and I'm like, I'm doing it. But then I get up at five. I'm in the gym by six. I'm done by seven. I'm like, great. But what do I do until fucking nine? Until my friends are awake or businesses are awake. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can't, if, and if, even if I'm awake, like my, my team largely don't follow that practice. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm like talking to my, I'm like, dude, I could have slept another hour. Yeah. I wonder what Wahlberg's doing when he's done by five or six. And then what's crazy. I don't know. You know, he's got a world where he just fucking oh, he creates like he's if he wants compound. to be awake at four, his team's gonna be awake at four. No, the, that's true. His whole compound probably is. His yeah. chef's probably making food. And well, I want to also bless. thank you for your support with Liquid Death because I was sending you some to you to uh, to your dude. Houses. My sober houses. I, I I'd like to say fuck you for that, and this is why <laughs> you've created an animal. My sober house now the clients will not stop. Bugging me for that okay. shit. It's like feeding a stray cat. We, we you sent you guys sent a pallet. A oh, that's pallet. right. That's right. That's you right. sent a pallet. It's 250 cases. I it think. was yeah. insane. And and my sober living guys who literally walk in with trash bags, right, have nothing. I scholarship them. They they've now you know talk about Coors Light money with champagne taste. Uh, <laughs> they now are like you know, drinking tap water, which is more than great. And they're like. Where we need more liquid death. Wow, I'm like, okay. dude, I just said no. I can't. I'm not that guy. I don't ask for things. I know. Very I wanna, kind but, of them. But I do want to thank you because I sent to a lot of people for the past couple of years. I never ask anybody to post. You're always posting. You're always so supportive. I'm the, grateful, the, man. The company loves you and appreciates you. Um, you yeah, guys man. have. You guys have like when it when it all the the relationship happened when I was throwing the first fundraising event. Yes. In Florida. Where I, which that event raised seventy eight thousand dollars that provides awesome. scholarships. So now in all my houses, I provide a scholarship for anyone who's in need, as long as I have a bed available and they're willing to man. follow our guidelines. Yeah, I'll scholarship you. And you guys played a large part in helping me make my dream become a reality. And um, for that, I'll be forever grateful. And a lot—that's the cool thing about it. A lot of people in our worlds came together and Dan, he provided amazing art for, yeah, man. for the deal. The lead singer, our friend from the Pennywise, he came in, he did an acoustic set. Was that punk rock and paintbrushes too? Yeah. yeah. Punk rock and paintbrushes. Emily. Yeah. Christian Asoy, like Matt Hensley, all these guys, like our people, Steve Caballero. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. all these legends that it's fucking I, awesome. I, I I, you know, kind of life that full circle moment came back. Addiction, uh, I allowed addiction to rob me of everything I loved, dreamed, and believed in. Became like a just a destitute of of dereliction, addiction, uh, and then found sobriety and and was reunited with my tribe, which yeah. I believe recovery is returning back to the individual you were prior to losing everything you loved to drugs and alcohol, yeah. and it did it for me. And then you guys. God bless have been very successful in your own rights. And you said, Hey, let me get liquid death to hook you up. Let like, let, let H2O help you in any way, you yeah. know, Caballero, Dan, the tattoo, you know, like uh, yeah. uh, Dan was like, I'll, I'll, I'll give a tattoo for your charity it's event. Awesome, I'll, you know, and, and everyone's community it is, dude, it is, it is. And it's the people that I loved and dreamed about being with as a kid, yeah, yeah. but lost to addiction. Yeah. And now we're like here trying to make the world a better place. Well, I, I appreciate you for everything you've given to the world and sharing your experiences and your stories. And 
you're super inspiring to me and I'm, I'm honored to call you my friend and just your journey and like knowing you from the shows back there but not really knowing you then becoming your friend everything you've been through and where you're at now it's fucking it's beautiful you should be proud man I'm really grateful, proud, man. man. I'm, yeah. I'm grateful. I, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, man. I'm grateful. And I just thank people for like loving me in spite of me. Yeah. You know, and that's what I think that we can really do collectively as a whole. Not only me and my friends, but people out there listening. Just, just love people in spite of themselves because the reality and the, the, the truth behind the matter that no one knows is, is everyone suffering with something. Facts. Everyone is suffering with something. Agreed. You know, and I'm prone to look at things like if I get cut off on the beltway, my first notion is to say, fuck you, asshole. But the reality is, God forbid, he might have just received a call that his son was hit by a car and he needs to get to the hospital. You never know what people are going through. Straight up. Yeah, that's a really great point, man. Then I, 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 yeah, yeah. So just love people in spite of themselves and it will produce, it'll produce a really good outcome. Well, thank you for being here, man. We're going to cold plunge sauna now. If anyone excited? out there needs help, man, again, I do this before. Yeah. It's my thing. I got the phone number, man. 610-314-6747. Call it. 302-433-6256. That's for sober living. Call it's it. so no, cool you healthy. put this out there for people to call, man. <clears throat> it's really beautiful, man. Because I know for myself, sometimes I'll get crazy DMs where I've had respond to them and end up getting on the phone with somebody. I'm not a psychologist. I'm a singer in a hardcore band. But sometimes people reach out to me through my lyrics or whatever and ask me for advice, which I'm not a, I'm not. I'm not a psychologist, but I do my best to answer their questions. But that's that, that's heavy situations when you start responding to people and asking you questions or getting deep about their lives. I can't imagine the phone calls you get and how that weighs on you. Just everything, you know what I mean? And I'm yeah. I'm an empath. I take yeah. on people's energy, and yeah. that's very draining. And again, not even a, an endorsement here, but that's why taking care of your mental health is so important and find something that relieves you from the burdens of everyday stress and pressure that society can put on you as a whole. I found it through working out, through saunas, through ice baths, yeah. through eating healthy, and through yeah. love. Love. Yeah, man. Love, kindness, acceptance. And just talking to people, if you're having issues, talk to you. If it's not your parents, it's your cousin, it's your counselor, it's yeah. a friend, a family member. A neighbor. Reach out. Reach out, man. Don't keep things inside. Don't. I think it's so important to have communication, even if it's not with just your parents, but people around you. And, you know, people care and people will talk to you. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. People, Nothing's not. You are loved. 100%. Yeah. Just allow yourself to be loved. Yeah. We're going to end on this positive, loving note. Yes. Thank you for coming back for a part two. I love you and thank yeah, you. Yeah, I love for you even more after allowing today. Me to be here. Of course, dude. And you can check out him on social media. You can book him for speaking engagements. You have a website too? Yeah, just go to brandonnovak.com, all one word. Yeah. Redemption Addiction Treatment Center. We Shout out to your moms. My mom, the Shuffler. Moms Shuffler. <laughs> um, reach out, man. I'm here to help and aid you to be the better version of yourself any way possible, however you think that should look. Awesome, bro. Thank you for being here. Love you, man. Love you too. Bye. Yep. Oh, mic check. Mic check. Mic check. One, two, one, two, one, two. Hey. Mikey, hey, did you check? Hey. Mikey, did you check? I had to jump back on this podcast. Sometimes, um, well, this is, Bra this is Brandon's second time on the pod, and we've had some serious conversations on both episodes, but then sometimes you're shooting the shit after the recording, and really crazy stories come up that really weren't told on podcasts. So Usually some of the best stories are shared after like the deal <laughs> goes down. <laughs> Some of the best gems, and, but Brandon said it's cool to come back on and talk about a couple of stories that he's never really talked about on podcasts before. But I think this like a, um, 
What is it like the 20 years? It's been a long time. It's, so it's, it's like, well, I, I thought about it and I thought long and hard and, and you know, I used to be cut from that cloth. Any press is good press. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. And it rang true for a lot of years. But then I, I transitioned into this, this guy who really cared about not only myself and my, my, my life, but also the, how people perceived me, mm. um, because I started taking other people's feelings into consideration. Yeah. Um, and that was really unlike me. And, and in doing so, you know, just celebrated eight years of sobriety. I've Congrats. kind of, thanks man. I, I, I went through a lot of different stages and I've, I've evolved in a lot of different ways and, and where I'm at today, it, it could really change from where I'm at next year. But right now, what I thought about is like, um, not only owning who I am, but more so who I was. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, because I believe that my past gives, gives light to the present mm. and, and it gives some validity yeah. and depth and weight. And it makes people like really see the, the, the despair and death and destruction and deprivation that, that my previous life prior to sobriety took me. Yeah, and you're, you've always been pretty honest about everything in your life, though, too. Yeah. Pretty hard on your sleeve a lot. Right? I have. And, but now it's just I'm with this weird, like, zen place where acceptance is the answer to everything, and mm-hmm. everything is exactly as it is supposed to be. Good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah. I, I like really that. believe that. So I'm like, you know, there doesn't need to be these things that I'm ashamed to discuss because that's who I, who I was is not who I am. Mm-hmm. And um, I really want people to understand that change is possible. So who am I to, to, to censor certain stories because I believe that like they shouldn't be shared. And, and yeah. some of them are just fucking downright funny and hilarious. Really funny. Um, but I, yeah, it, it's just, it is what it is. And it, I, it I happened, think as true. crazy as it was, it's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And I want people to see that transformation and change is possible. Yeah. So who am I to censor what I share with the world? Unless it's going to like hurt somebody else, mm-hmm. you know, and these didn't hurt somebody. They hurt no. you. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just, they, no, they didn't even hurt you. They, they didn't hurt life. me at, at the time. And, and the reason why I could talk about it now is because like I was, engaged and there was like another person involved and um and and I was just so 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 disappointed in myself for for just being so free flowing with this information and knowledge without taking my significant others feelings into consideration mm. and that's gotcha. just fucking wrong yeah um but time has passed uh we are the greatest of friends that's awesome um and it's truly, we can both laugh about it now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I talk about it often and there, my resume is pretty lengthy, Yeah. right? <laughs> it, it's pretty lengthy and it goes in a lot of different directions, but my biggest claim to fame is having a stunt cock <laughs> come yes. for me in a porno. Your biggest claim to fame that nobody really knows. No. No, not well, not. Maybe people have seen the video. Who knows if it exists it, anymore? It's, it, 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 it's it's out there. I'm sure people find it. it it's and it, but I, I don't really think anyone really wants to because it's not like I. It's funny and it's sad though too. I was hired for this sexual stamina and prowess <laughs> that I had because clearly once you hear the story, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's it's crazy because you were like in a really dark place and you're trying to make money at the same time and like and you're with your friends and there's a lot of people watching and involved in this. This moment of your life, you know, to literally support my habit is is what the agenda was. So how does the how does the offer for this porno 
even come about? Well, there was, um, you know, at, at Bam's house, there was this skate park and he had yes. uh, the skate park driveway and then he had this barn built at the bottom of the driveway and they built this really rad indoor park. And there were some porn stars that, you know, we knew and they had a production company and they were, you know, producing their own content. And this is before like OnlyFans. And, and Pornhub and all that stuff. Yeah, this is like before that. And they were going to shoot a porn on Bam's property. So I'm like, well, let me get involved. And they're like, all right, Novak, sure. And uh, the 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 storyline for the first porn, because there's two here, one porn, two two different shoots. You've never done a porn before this Never. Time. Never, never before and never <laughs> since. Yes. And I don't think any porn companies are coming knocking at my door. Um, and again, this this is not me bragging or boasting about no, this. Uh, it, no. It's me simply, hopefully, shedding light on the transformation from who I was to who I am. Of course. Um, so they're they're filming this porn, and they allow me to star in it. And and the the storyline goes, I am going to try a nine hundred on this mega vert wall. I'm going to break my pelvis, and then these three nurse chicks are going to come in on this doom buggy pick me up drive me up to the top of the a-frame um and literally just kind of like go to town on me yeah and um i'm like the 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 damsel in distress if you will my, my pelvis is broken and they're going to bring it back to life <laughs> quite literally try to yes so so they do that we're on the a-frame and 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 things are going down fucking full-blown you know threesome i think it was three or foursome and um and an hour and a half two hours later like it the chicks are so checked out they've literally just removed themselves from the situation it's typically just a job to them and and the the camera guys the the producers they've all given up pretty much because they're waiting for this money shot the climax the orgasm to take place and and how fucked up are you and what are you I'm, on i'm on like a, a, i'm i'm at the epitome of my heroin addiction at this point, I'm strung out on uh, as much opiates that I can physically consume Damn. with whatever money I have. Yeah. You know, for many years, my life just consisted of coming up with as much money to do as much drugs as possible in a 24 hour basis. Wash, rinse, repeat. Damn. And um, so here I saw a great in for that. They were going to give me like a thousand bucks to, to do this porn. But I'm under the influence. And when you're on opiates, you have a hard time coming, right? Like you just, yeah. you don't really ejaculate. You could fuck for like 10 hours, but nothing much happens. But but cocaine's the opposite, I was told. Y yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, it's, it's called cocaine dick. That's what they yeah, call it. Yeah, you just. You can't do the same thing. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so two hours into, I'm on, you know, I'd imagine heroin, any kind of opioids, any kind of pills, any kind of downers was my thing. And I'm on an abundance of all that, I'd imagine. And. Two hours later, I can't come. The girls are checked out. They've like just removed themselves from this situation mentally. Physically, they're doing the deal to complete the job. And finally, I feel like it, the time has come. The, no the pun intended. The, the, <laughs> that was clever. And has this ever happened in the history of a porn ever a person couldn't do this? But who knows? Well, yeah. So, so, so it's coming. I, I, I believe you, me. I let the whole world know it's going down. I'm getting ready to come. Everyone checks back in. <laughs> Cameras are locked and loaded. Angles are had. Chicks are like full on acting. It's like the the heat of the the the, the climax here. And and right when 
I'm about to come and they're expecting these fireworks to shoot out of my cock. It's literally just uh, like dust. a drip, like okay, blip, one, one blip. <laughs> and, you know, if looks could kill. <laughs> so so I own that. I bought that. Right. But the cover up for that is I was just sick. And, and, and at this time I'm engaged. I have this fiance. And, and this is right when cell phones started kind of doing the deal and making their rounds and photos were starting to circulate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm like, dude, the moment of clarity sets in, you know, whenever you have an orgasm, like, you know, the, it's like, oh, fuck reality. I, I, I Does really, she know what you're doing at that moment. No, oh, not at all. Okay. 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 She's, she's like in a different state. Oh man. Like okay, okay. not even there. There's no clue. I'm supposed to remain faithful. Um, and I'm already walking on, on ice and eggshells yeah, here. I'm like sure. I'm on thin ice. I'm a heroin addict and she, I'm not supporting her or financially carrying my ends. And she's one step away from throwing me out. Why she hadn't yet. I have no idea. Mm. So a few hours go by, I process this and then I get word that they say, Oh, we're shooting another scene tomorrow. I'm like, dude, I'm in. I, I swear total different performance. I'm going to like. I'm going to give you what you're looking for. And I, I, that's why my book's called Dream Seller. I lived by selling dreams. Yeah. So I, I convinced them that I was coming back as fucking Johnny Thundercock tomorrow. Right? <laughs> like, it's on. Cut to next day. Porn's in session. I can't come. I can't come. They're had the fuck. They're fed the fuck up with my behaviors. I'm like embarrassed, but just hoping that they're still going to pay me. Cause I went through That's it. What you want them, yeah. And they get so annoyed. They're like, Novak fucking get out of the way. And they literally like, like a, a football player would, would take a hit in a game, like just push tackle. Yeah. I'm thrown out of the way to this stunt cock who comes in and literally <laughs> Talk about juxtaposition. I'm like this dirty skater, punk, heroin, homeless kid who doesn't really do the whole hygiene thing. I don't mm. like, I don't fucking. No manscaping back none there. Of that. None of that. Like, shit. it's just, it's. it's like squatter dick. It is. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's somebody fully groomed it's coming like, in. It's like squatter vacant. And they're not trying to match the size of your dick. They just bring any guy Dude, in to do it. Any the, guy. The they're yeah. just so fed it's up with my unreal, behaviors. Man. And all of a sudden, this like, if you could picture uh, the, the all-American varsity football uh, quarterback yeah. who's also like the best porn star in the world, mm -hmm. what that guy's cock would look like. Bleached asshole, cock, wouldn't, you don't see hair for fucking, doesn't even look like he's ever went through puberty. It's just wow. fucking baby skin bald. Baldy, yeah. And, uh, oh my you know, God, just dude. like diamonds protruding out of his cock. That's what this guy's <laughs> cock looks like. It is just. John Holmes, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. John Holmes on like steroids, meth, wow. and crack. So do you watch the scene happening? Like, holy shit, like. Yeah, just I just like, it, yeah. I just like I just was like, can I still get paid? That, oh that was the. Did they pay you or no? Uh, yes, but the reason why they paid me is because they were supposed to pay me, um, and and they were waiting. Uh, they 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 wrote me a check, but they weren't gonna let the check clear until I gave them proper documentation, which mm -hmm. I had to give them my ID for okay. it to clear. So all of a sudden, I didn't like perform my duty right i didn't fulfill my end of the bargain so they're like Money shot. we're not gonna we're not gonna pay you and i'm like well i have the check and i'm like you need that my id or else i can sue you for this because mm -hmm. we've already filmed the deal i so wow. so 
this is back when Radio Bam had uh, on Sirius Satellite Radio. Bam had the radio show, and uh, and the guy came on that was uh, in in charge of of getting the documents for me in order for me to pay or get paid. Yeah, and we settled out of court with if you. He said to me, "If you let me give you a dirt nap, Novak, I'll give you the cash in hand right now." And I'm like, "Fuck yeah, let's do it." I had no idea what a dirt nap was. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. A dirt nap oh, yeah. is is you just stand up and you just let somebody punch you in the face so hard that you get knocked out, and oh my God. that's a dirt nap, which I learned rather. I think I know that too. matter of factly. So that that went down right there. Bam. <laughs> but I got shit. paid, and all was well. Did you get knocked out? Yeah. Holy shit. All was right with the world, dude. I walked away with a grand. And how fast do you think you spent that grand? I'd say probably within a four or five days tops. Wow. All was right with the world. Got knocked out. And I walked away thinking I got over on them. I got my money. Yeah. Like I showed them. Oh, fuck. And this video exists, you think? Or I, we, oh, yeah. We hope not. We yeah. Hope not. yeah. I've, I've tried to like have it taken off of okay. my stuff and okay. it, it reappears. Um there's like bam skating in the background of a scene there's like wow so the skaters uh, are, yeah. another Carrie gets another skater skating in the background it was like fuck it was uh it was quite a quite a time to be alive shall i say not one of your proudest moments but you also no yeah. but but you know again a lot of the moments in my life are not my proudest of course. but the 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 significant change that's taken place from then to now. Yes. It, it, and I, uh, my, my reason for sharing that is, is, is because like, I want people to believe that anything is possible if yeah, you're willing man. to put in the work and, 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 uh, I called you a superhero earlier today. We're skating. Like you are, you've been through so many things and turned your life around. Yeah. It's and it's, it's truly a, a blessing. It's a, it's a gift from my God. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's not just for me. Like this is available for anybody. Yeah, and but you're I, helping a lot of people by sharing your stories. Yeah, and I just want people to know, like, it's okay. I got it's another okay. story. What do you got? That I was told by a good friend of ours, and it, it's insane. Somehow you're walking through, like, an old abandoned building, and you fall through, like, every floor and end up in, like, head-deep water. Yeah. And you're stuck there for a couple of days. Legit. It's, uh, <laughs> it's you know what? That, Shout out to Dan Smith. He told me that, this one. Uh, <laughs> Dan. If that's okay to that tell that. I, I heard dude, it's incredible. It's, well, that's the thing. So that story as well is in um i have uh, we've put out the first ever addiction graphic novel and uh i thought maybe i'd give you a copy no if i didn't i will it's in there and because i had all these amazing stories that just it didn't fit the timeline of my books okay right i have two books out but these stories were too good to just throw away so we had this amazing artist out of germany uh, and we created a graphic novel the okay. first ever addiction graphic novel, and wow. it's it's all it's this different same artist but different forms and tones of art depending upon the story that we're telling. Yeah, and this particular story in the graphic novel is called "A Kindness from Strangers." Kindness from strangers. Okay. Um, and what happens is I'm I'm in East Baltimore. I'm I go score some. Which dope. is no joke. No, it's it's uh they call Baltimore uh murder more. Or be more careful. Mm. And um, legit, this particular dope shop, it would open every morning at 5 a.m. So I'd be awake at like 4.30 before the sun even came up. You know, like early bird special. Wow. And, they uh, had hours. Yeah. And, and they were like one of the, the, they were one of the shops that were known for opening the earliest. And, okay. and it was insane. I mean, you'd be over there before the sun came up in this like, 
alley of this abandoned like cul-de-sac where no one goes rats just kind of roam around freely and you'd you'd walk in this back alley that you don't even know exists it's kind of overgrown with shrubbery and and you you walk up three little kind of backyard entrances and you get to this fourth and it's this this higher what used to be like higher separation wood fence that would separate the the yards and you get into this, you walk into it, and it's literally like a hundred people waiting in line. In and yeah, just in like in this like because out. they they make you get in that in the yard through this little entranceway, um, and then they literally shove you in there, keep you in there, so in case the police or something ride by, you're not this corner doesn't look like there's all these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a kid or two, and when I mean kid, like usually between the ages of sixteen. 15, Jesus. 14, 17 yeah. would come up. One guy would have the, the pills and the other guy would have, take the money, you know, and, and it would just pandemonium when they would come in. Um, and then there'd be a third person to make sure that everyone acted accordingly and no one ripped off the dealer or the money guy. Are you still high from the night before when you go there? Are you like, no, that's up? generally why I would get up so early okay. because the, at that point in my career of addiction, like the, the drug didn't last as long as okay. it used to. It was, it was rather short life, short, mm. uh, short, short winded, if you will. So I get over here and I, I get, uh, this particular morning I, I buy seven pills of heroin for $70 and three vials of cocaine for $30. So I have a hundred dollars worth of narcotics and I go a few blocks over and I go into this abandoned house and in this event it's still dark you can't see anything dark. there's there's no steps that go you can't go upstairs like the house is dilapidated it's literally falling down yeah and it's pouring rain it's raining it's like so movie, dude. and that's why I, I normally wouldn't have went into this house but because yeah. of the weather conditions and and the fact that the the pills that you buy then were in gel caps so if gel caps get wet they start to dissolve mm. so i like and i'm in a neighborhood where i don't belong i'm the only i'm, a, I'm the, Oh, the only white person. Wow. Um, so if the police come by, like they'll know what I'm doing. They'll pull me up. Yeah. Or if uh, some stick up boys are out, they will know what I'm doing. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm an easy target yeah. because I just don't belong and people know why I'm there. Yes. So I get into this, this house and, and I'm, I'm walking to try to get to the back corner in case someone else comes. Because what better place to, to, become prey except in a house like this where no one's ever going to go or mm -hmm. find you they could literally do anything they want with you and yes. you won't be found so i'm like trying to get to the back and 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 this house is really like fucking falling apart and i get almost back to the back corner and i literally fall through the the floor which was now the basement ceiling gotcha and when i fall through there's no stairs that go back upstairs because the stairs have already fallen through, which I didn't see. Oh my so, God, dude. so I'm, I'm now standing in, in this almost over like chest close to neck high water, but it's dark. It's, it's fucking it's dark and I can't see too. anything. But now because I had to, to get to the back to where I was going to shoot up really quick, I had everything in my hand. I had the, the, the gel caps. I had the cocaine. I had the, above water just holding. in my hand, but when I was going to the back, and I had my needle and my spoon and my lighter in this hand, right? Damn. Everything was about to go down in that back corner, so I had it ready in my hands. And and when I fell through, and I landed, I, I automatically put my hands up 
because like nothing was going to ruin this heroin. Yeah. Like most people would say, oh, I would put my hands down to grasp your fall. Fuck you. Mm -hmm. Like my, my, my legs will take the fall. My dick will take the fall. My, my pelvis, anything but my hands because everything that I care about in life is in these hands and, and they will not be destroyed. By the water. Is the water cold? It, it's 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 cold. Disgusting. It's fucking. I can't see anything. It's, it's pitch. It's pitch. It's 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 pitch black. Oh my it's God, pitch black. Man. So I take the fucking lighter and I light it, and all of a sudden I see. That's when I realize that the stairs have fallen through. They've fallen down. They've they've fallen down. Um, and and I look over and I'm hearing these noises and I see fucking rats scurrying around uh, like the, the perimeters of the wall yeah. and like things moving in the water. So I'm assuming that it was like rats and, and, and in Baltimore city rats are like cats. They, they are not scared of you. No. They will, they will walk up to you. They, there's no shame in their like game. New York style. Yeah. 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 Legit. And they're big. Too. Uh, it's, it's so gnarly. And, uh, I still have a scar on my leg, on my shin, of where I went through the ceiling, uh, the floor, which was the the basement ceiling. And I'm down there, and I'm like, fuck, there's nothing I can do. I can't get out. Water's to my chest. Because it had been like this for years, for all I know. Like, this isn't just an overnight rainstorm. This is an an abandoned building. uh, An abandoned, not even a building, rows of abandoned homes. You know, and and I'm down there. And I can't get out. I can't figure out what to do. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the sun, it it was like, it was like the skies parted and I was able to walk across water and I met Jesus. The sun was coming up because there was no roof on this house either. The the majority of the roof had like fallen through as well, fallen through. and, And so now the sun's starting to come up. So it's starting to give way to light. And all of a sudden I hear footsteps coming through the fucking upstairs floor and i'm like and no one would come in this house and all of a sudden i'm like yo 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 and i look up and it's this other white guy and girl who were using the house to shoot up just like i was and and, and in baltimore they call these shooting galleries okay you just you go in and you just kind of do what you're there to do and you leave how long are you down there for you think i'd say about Probably forty five minutes Probably until like forever, it though. did. Yeah. It yeah. did. I mean, there's just there's rats. There's fucking water. I'm I'm holding the lighter. The lighter's burning my hand. I'm praying to God. He's trying to get high. Yeah, and I can't because now I'm <laughs> I'm submerged in water. I can't. I don't have a table to put the spoon on. Pour the oh, heroin yeah, yeah. in. Put the water in the needle. Put the needle into the spoon. Cook it up. Light it, and then put it. Tie my arm off pop a vein and, and get on i like i can't do that i literally am fucked so my my only option is to just pray to god that this doesn't get ruined by the water somehow and that a, a stroke of fucking uh, miracle takes place and someone hears me and lo and behold these two people come in and they're there to do the same thing i'm yeah. doing and uh i scream at them and and they're like oh oh sh- you all right? How long have you been down there? Yeah. And I, I share with them what I just shared with you. And, and they said, okay, hold on. <laughs> and they, they went and got high first. Oh my God. Before they got they, you. Totally understandable. Like, like wow. and, and then I had to tell them that I would give them two dopes and a Coke. So ultimately I paid them $30 to, 
get you out of there. So, so they go, they shoot up, they get high and then they go out to their truck and they get like a blanket and then they, they put the blanket down and, and, and as a pulley and I grab the blanket, but like really carefully because I still have everything in my hand. So I've now put everything in one hand. I've grabbed the blanket with one hand. The other one, I've just wrapped it around my arm because I can't let go of the drugs. Yeah. You know, so it's this full on like Fuck. system that I've devised here. And um, they start pulling me up. Wow. And they start pulling me up and they start pulling me up. And it's working. And it works. And I get up, I give them the two dopes, the Coke. I shoot up and then they give me a ride home. And it's called, the chapter of that story is called Kindness from a Stranger. Wow, man. And that kind of speaks to the credibility uh, and mentality of drug addicts, mm. right? Although we're so disconnected from reality when we're caught in the, in the, the thick of it, deep down inside, we, we do possess some morals. Yeah. And now, although they had to get high before they saved me and pulled me out of <laughs> yeah, this rat-infested water, yeah. they ultimately did. And wow. I was so appreciative and grateful. And then they gave me a ride home. You were soaking wet and disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And the, someone might be listening and be like, Dude, that's fucking, that's a lot. Just check the book out. And this isn't even like a, a plug for the book. But yeah, since you course. brought me to it, yeah, there's yeah, some yeah. validity to the story. And uh, it's, it's, you can go to my website, brandonnovak.com. And it's the, uh, the, the, the Brandon Novak Chronicles is the title. Okay. And, and it's the full on, if you picture a, uh, a graphic novel, uh, it's that, but okay. about stories just like this. It's incredible. Stories, the other one was man. we were we would go as a kid. Bucky would take me to Tony Hawk's house when he lived in Visalia, and he had. I like, see Bucky LASIK tattoo on you. Yeah, he did right. that on you. No, Bam okay. did this on me. Wow. It, we were on like a tour bus in like Idaho at five a.m. Off fucking. Do we have a matching sperm tattoo of uh? You have, you have yeah, Bam sperm on you. Totally. Yeah, uh, that's another claim to fame. <laughs> I'm I'm the oh yeah yeah I'm the but is that really a sperm like one million percent? I'm probably the only guy. Who's literally been came in without being fucked? So he spermed on your arm. We all right. Context: <laughs> the narrative for this story. <laughs> been on cocaine for at least five days. All right, five six days in, sleep deprived. Um, we're shooting a game of pool at five a.m. We're shooting a game of pool, and we have a our tattoo artist Mitchell Cantor. Shout out Mitchell, amazing tattoo artist, Richmond, Virginia. He's there with us, and uh, five a.m. Five days of blow, no sleep, um, shooting a game of pool. I win the game of pool. I win the game of pool. We then go into the side room. I lay on the bed. Bam pulls out a laptop, puts a pillow over my head, jerks off, and comes onto my arm. Oh, my God. And then we have Mitchell then come in, and he starts tracing the cum around my arm. And then... After he traces it with the black, he then switches the needles out, puts a blank needle on, and then goes over the cum, which inserts it into my body. So there's cum inside your arm. Cum inside my arm. But the thing is, I won the fucking game of pool. I, it's so wrong. It doesn't make any... It's so wrong so that So you were asleep right. when he comes on your arm? No, I was awake. I oh was just laying God. there. I was just laying... Like He had to put a pillow over my head because like I wouldn't stop laughing. Oh and, you know, God, and that's dude. fucking up like... The rhythm of him trying so to... So there's sperm in your body, your skin from... Yeah, dude, I used to I used to bet people a hundred bucks if they could guess what it was. And... and oh, you know, never guess. No, people say like an island, a bone. That's a lot of sperm too, to be honest. One, I, uh, cheers to him, man. 
I'm one day we're, we're sitting in the airport. I'm in Philly. I'm in Philly airport, and I'm getting ready to fly out. And I order a glass of wine at the pub, and uh, waiting for my flight. And I, I say, me and the bar keep start chatting it up, and and he's a really hilarious guy, and he's this bigger, uh, black, just totally flamboyantly gay guy. And I'm like, if you guess what this is, I'll give you a hundred bucks. And he looks at me like, oh, sweetie, that's cum. I'm like, holy shit, my. My my glass of wine was eight dollars, and I had to tip him a hundred. <laughs> it was literally a hundred and eight dollar wow. glass of wine, and from that point forward, I've never made the bet with anyone That's... else of what that is. Holy shit! But yeah, is there anything you would you you would have never done for drugs at, the, at those times? Well, I what I can say I've never done for drugs is like homicide or murder. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but yeah, but here's the deal, uh, and it's not that. It's because I'm like not that guy. I'm not cut from that cloth. I'm not a, yeah. a, a tough guy that does things like that or condones it. The reality is the reason why that never took place is because I'd never been in a, a position where the opportunity presented itself paired with me being so dope sick and withdrawing worse than anything in the world mm -hmm. that it very well could have happened. Yeah, That's kind of the depths that I would go to in order to achieve another fix. Yeah. So I, I don't you risk your own life, obviously what you do. Legit, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. and, and unfortunately with me, anything that would stand between me and a drink or a drug, it, it must and will go. And it was never personal. It was just business. Yeah. Because when my addiction allowed me to, to no longer have a say so in, in how I conducted my life. Yeah. Like, I, you know, and I don't forget that. Yeah. So, you have to have like a documentary come out about your life. We man. do, I do. It's it's coming. It's it, in production. It, it's coming it's out. So many and a lot of these stories. We like, uh, you know. So so I have the the cum tattooed on my arm. I, I have um, you know, in the skateboarding world, skateboarding call rollerbladers gay, right? It's that kind of arch, and uh, you know, I heard arch. rollerblading came back though strong recently, but whatever. And, yeah, and I have no issue with yeah. either or. But it's in like the skaters, scooters. yeah, you know, skaters and scooters don't vibe, and maybe they do, maybe they don't. But like this particular deal, skateboarders and rollerbladers, it was just a, an inside joke that they yeah. didn't vibe. So one year for Halloween, Bam had this big Halloween party and I decided I was going to be a gay biker, right? So yeah. I, I have the, the assless and crotchless chaps on. I have the, the, the bottom rocker vest of like a real biker who lent me his from uh, the Pagans. Wow. Um, and like, which is really, it was a vile. He's like, dude, I should not be That's doing this. Like, legit. this is not like allowed. You cannot have photos of this. I will wow. like, he's no longer with us. He died. Um, but he was a good guy, man. Shout out to Biggs. And um, he was the sergeant of arms for the Pagans. Thorough dude. Wow. But anyways, so during this Halloween party, they're giving tattoos out. So I decide that, I love homosexuals. I, I I have no qualm with any of them, but gay humor was like funny to me at a point in time, and still can be in the right context. Um, but so we're like, dude, you know, two guys fucking doggy style is like gay, cool. But two guys fucking missionary style staring into each other's eyes is like next level fucking homosexual. <laughs> so I'm like, that's it. I'm gonna get. Two rollerbladers, fully padded, laying in a flower patch, fucking missionary style, staring into each other's eyes. You got that? that so that's oh, what yeah. I have here. Max, come look at this tattoo, Max. So you can see, and his dick is hard while he's fucking him, fully padded with these rollerblades on. Oh my God. So I have come on this arm. I have these two men fucking missionary style, and on my ass cheek, me, Bam, and Villavallo from the guy him, we, we, 
were pretty loaded one night. We came up with the concept that we were going to be in the Nidiot Club. Not idiot, but Nidiot. Okay. And on our ass cheeks, we got tattooed Nidiot really big, but the eyes are dotted in hearts. <laughs> so I have these hearts on my ass. I have cum on my arm. I have men fucking on my arm. And I, and I end up being, getting incarcerated. And I'm doing a year in the joint. <laughs> Oh my god! And I've become sellies with uh, this this amazing guy named Jihad, and he was the head of the Muslim group. And uh, he said, "You know, Novak, under any other circumstances, uh, I'd sell you to them." <laughs> he said, wow. "You'd be prey for the boys." He said, "But with a guy like you, we'd expect nothing less." <laughs> wow! And you were okay in there? Nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have Alf on your arm too? I do, Alf. And Alf. Do you have any do- tattoos you regret? No, no. You know, my very, 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 very first tattoo when Bam like brought me from Baltimore to Pennsylvania to get off heroin was uh, a tattoo. He took me to the tattoo shop and he's like, the next time you get high, I want you to look at this tattoo and think about it. And maybe you'll change your mind. The very first tattoo I ever got was an idea that him and I came up with right above like my, my pelvis region and it just says no more fucking heroin. <laughs> like, wow. like, like as if I'm going to like get ready to shoot up and look at this tattoo. I'm like, ah, you know, I'm going to call this off. But oh that was my, my very first tattoo. Wow. Before anything you've ever seen. And you never get any removed or cover up nothing. No, no, It's no. all part of your journey. Yeah, it's part it of your is. Life. It is. Um, Are you still getting tattooed as well or no? Yeah. Recently, I got the juxtaposition of, of the, the context of my tattoos. It went from like having cum inserted into my arm and, yeah. and gay guys fucking on rollerblades to uh, um, six months ago. I had my mother draw her favorite animals a giraffe and, oh, that's and amazing. I had her draw a giraffe and I got her to agree in passing that she would get a tattoo with me. She's 83. No way. She dude. forgot that she agreed. I took her to Florida. We were filming content. I blindfolded her, walked her into a tattoo shop, camera, <laughs> camera crews there. And all of a sudden she's like, and I had him draw it out. And, uh, we got matching tattoos. She got it? And hers is right here, and, and mine's behind my oh, ear. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So your mom going to 80 years old? Yeah, totally. Your mom's a badass. She's, too, she's like... Was she nervous? Yeah, she First was. tattoo? She was. She had no idea. She thought I was taking her to dinner. But she went through with it, which is fucking amazing. <laughs> Dude, she's a beast, man. Wow. She's a beast. Yeah, your mom's amazing, man. She's everything. All of our conversations, she always comes up as somebody that held you down. Was dude there. every? I've been here out here, you know, in L.A. the last week, just doing a lot of press for my new treatment center, Redemption. Yep. That I've opened. Um, Where is that located? Is Wilmington, Delaware. Yep. Redemption Addiction Treatment Center. It's my facility. And the last time, well, the beginning of this episode, since we, whatever, we just caught up again. This we did this part yeah. a month ago. It's coming out in like a week or so, but. We talked about it coming. Now it's actually open now. Yeah, it's been yeah. open for seven weeks now. Amazing, And we're man. being, uh, you know, welcomed really well by the community. Um, and so we, cool, man. I'm, I have the ability to help a lot of people. And, and more Beautiful. so, I, I have the ability to, to give permission for people to accept help. Because before I worked for a different facility, and when someone didn't have the ways and means, insurance, or money, I'd have to call someone and say, hey, can we give them a scholarship? Mm. Now I'm the boss, and I can say, yes, I don't have to ask anybody. Yeah. You know, so I have the ability to help so many more people, which yeah. is, is it's my favorite thing to do. And how many people can come there... But they don't stay there, right? No, they okay. don't. It, it, it's it's uh, it's a, a, a an outpatient level okay, of care. Okay. So it's somewhere you would go after you went to detox, if you wanted to commute from home. Or I have my sober living houses where you. No, it must also feel stay. good though. I'm gonna do that and get back and all that, man. It does. It, it's it's my favorite thing in the world. But so you know, we've been open now for seven weeks, 
and uh, and being out here doing this press for this facility, yeah, I feel like the 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 father for the first time who just had a brand new baby and had to leave his baby. Yeah, so I'm like I'm calling the staff and every morning, in. and I'm like sitting in on staff meetings, and I'm I'm getting updates, and I'm just like that overly cautious concern. That's because you care. It's, it's your passion. Yeah, it's your love, you know and I, mean? I as much as I love you and being out here, I can't wait to get back to my yeah, facility man. and my clients. Yeah, we uh, had a good hang this time too, and. Uh, Got to skate with you today, Liquid Death. Now we're, now we're going to Copeland Sauna. But I wanted to tell these two stories for sure because, yeah, these the stories are incredible. Crazy times in your life, but that's, that was the past. Here you are now. And that's it, person, man. man. That's it. They're, they're, they're entertaining stories, and, and, but more importantly, there's substance to them. They're, mm-hmm. they're, there's depth and weight. So if anybody out there struggling feels that they're just too far fucking gone and there's no saving them, I'm here to tell you it's a fucking lie. Yeah, man. You're living proof, dude. You know. Appreciate you so much. Appreciate you in my you. life, dude. I don't even know who connected us in the first place. I bro. know. And now it's now like we're, we're like man. brothers. It's, I know. I it's love like it, man. legit family. And we pick yeah. up right where we left off. Yeah, man. You know, we kinda I think we look at things the very same way. Yeah. We have a very similar perspective on life and, and the important things in life. Totally. With your ice baths and saunas and just That's quality it. friendship time yeah. talking and yeah. skating and all just legit, living. Legit, man. Living. Yeah. Living in the moment. Yeah. Well, thank you, bro. Thank I'm you excited. For, I'm excited to I can't uh, wait. I can't wait. to hang out with you again on the East Coast. Hopefully, I'll see you. In the, you know, we play out there and stuff. Oh, and for sure. You're coming to Jersey. You're coming to New York. Yeah, I yeah, will yeah. be at at least one of the two of those shows. Okay, awesome. No doubt. Well, thanks for being in this pod. This is, our, this is our part two with you, and thanks to the listeners. And now, yeah, you probably see some footage of uh, Brandon the Cold Punch. Thanks for being my friend, man. Dude, thanks for being my friend. Thanks for listening, everybody. Love you. We out. I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now, and I can't stop. I've had lazy treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other, and that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out, swiped the credit card, don't really tell me much, didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen. So I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm that looks like a big black blob is now super light. I've had two sessions. I have a long road ahead of me. None of this stuff happens overnight. You cannot take a tattoo up in one sitting. You have to be patient and it's painful. They ice you up, it's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm slowly gonna get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use TobyH20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 remover treatments done. 100 locations. U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art peak-away laser technology. Cryotechnology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do on these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code TOBYH20 and get $100 off 
These guys are located everywhere. Try it out.